I'm Pam Dysinger, and I'm here to share with you a little bit about raising entrepreneurial evangelists. Um, there's no point in raising entrepreneurs if they're not going to be evangelists with their business. And I, I would say it, this is a real growing passion that the Lord has placed in my heart. And maybe some of the reasons for that um, will come out um, during this presentation. But God needs, God needs entrepreneurs today more than ever before. And we need to be entrepreneurial today more than ever before. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be here and to share. Lord, I pray that it would not be my words and my thoughts, but that even the things that I've prepared, you would set aside if you see best. May we be encouraged to be entrepreneurs for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start by the question, what is an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur is one who owns and manages and assumes the risks of a business or an enterprise. So it doesn't mean that you're just a businessman. All farmers who are farming for a living, they are organizing, managing, and assuming the risks of their business or their enterprise. So farming is entrepreneurial. Why entrepreneurs? Why should we have, why is entrepreneurship important today? Here's Paul's counsel. We urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Are you familiar with that verse? The first time I read that verse was many years ago, and it was like, wow, lead a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your hands. We were not doing that at that point. We were serving overseas, um, but God's counsel is, through Paul, is that it's good to lead a quiet life. Paul led us not only um, by his words, but by his example. He was truly a self-supporting missionary. Wouldn't you say Paul was a self-supporting missionary? Um, a missionary is a person who undertakes a mission, and especially a religious mission, very enthusiastic and eager about doing a job or supporting a cause. So Paul was a what? What did he do to earn his livelihood? He was a tent maker. So we today use that tent-making term sort of generically like supporting yourself. If you are a self-supporting person, we kind of think of self-supporting missionaries as tent-makers. We get that from Paul, from his example. So why? You know, why would you want to own your own business? It's a big headache. I can say that for certain from our experience, but I believe that there are some very good reasons why you should own your own business. And uh, children, I hope you're listening. I mean, I, I was wishing after that I hadn't called it raising, but I would have called it becoming. 
because this is really for children. This is really for youth that are coming up and thinking, what am I going to do with my life? What does God want for me? And God needs entrepreneurs who, whose focus is going to be more evangelistic than just business-minded people. So owners can evangelize through their businesses. That is the reason why you should own your own business. Because when you're the owner, you can do it your way. You can do it how you like it. Um, I know of a bank owner who leaves Desire of Ages and Spirit of Prophecy material on the tables in the banks that he owns. Now, if you're a teller at the bank, can you do that? Not a chance. Not a chance. But if you own the bank, you can, you can do it. You can do whatever you want. If you own the bank, I mean, maybe that's a little bit, a little stretching it. But in this area, you can do what you want. Um, another thing, if you own the business, you can have sacred music playing in your business. Um, there's one store that I love to go to, and probably, I mean, it's because of the things that they sell there that I love and I enjoy, um, but it's also because the music they, they play is sacred. It's an outwardly, openly owned by a Christian business. So when you own the business and you own the answering machine, you can put on it whatever kind of music you like. I mean, don't you find it hard when you call and you have to be left on hold and the music is horrific, you know? So, but when you own the business, you can put sacred music, sacred CDs. I know a dentist, he always, in his office, he plays the most soothing. When you own the business, you can hire the person at the front desk who's going to be the face of your business, who's going to be the person who gives your business the right image. Um, I know a business that sends out glow tracks in all their packages. Hundreds. Hundreds. Last year, I think over a thousand glow tracks went out through just one person's business, one effort. Simple. If you don't own the business, you can't do that. Um, here's another reason. Owners can invite God to be their partners. I know that's a terrible picture, but I want to tell you about this man. Um, let me back up and tell you that at ASI this last year, we had, there was a speaker who came from Australia, and he, he had a, a talk called The Infidel Christian. He's a man who's come out of, his parents are serial entrepreneurs. Do you know what that means? Multiple businesses, multiple millions, millions of dollars that have come through this family's hands. And the Lord started him on a journey of recognizing that that wealth was destroying him spiritually. 
and taking him step by step further away from that wealth. So um, I read his book and was very inspired. It's called Help, I've Been Blessed. I highly recommend it. Now, I have not been blessed financially in the world's eyes, um, but I've been so blessed in so many ways. And I have, I definitely am in total agreement, and it gives me great courage to see wealthy people who are willing to be honest about the corrupting properties of wealth. Very inspiring. In this book, he shares one man who was his, one of his mentors, and that is this man here, R.G. Letourneau. And this is what it says about R.G. Letourneau. Um, he is perhaps the most inspiring Christian inventor, businessman, and entrepreneur the world has ever seen. A sixth grade dropout, Robert Gilmore, R.G., went on to become the leading earth-moving machinery manufacturer of his day with plants on four continents, more than 300 patents to his name, and major contributions to road construction and heavy equipment that forever changed the world. Most importantly, his contributions to the advancement of the gospel rank him among the greatest of Christian businessmen of all time. Famous for living on 10% of his income and giving 90% to the spread of the gospel. Letourneau exemplified what a Christian businessman should be. I highly recommend his book. It's called Movers of Men and Mountains. Amazing, and we have, we have just finished it. And it is so inspiring. You know, he, they lived on less than 10%. Not only did his business give away millions and millions of dollars, he just handled his business in the most Christ-like way. Okay, owners can use their businesses as a channel of blessing. When we were in New Zealand recently, we went to Subway very early in the morning, and we got talking with the lady who worked there, and she told us that um, she told us that the business was owned by a man who was from the Church of the Brethren. Have you heard of that church? I don't know that much about it, but she was very, she clearly thought we would come with a bias, and so she, she kind of um, was quick to defend them, like, like we would have some negative thing. And people say they're a cult, but they're not really a cult. They're really good people, and they own so many businesses in this town, and they've changed this town. I just thought, wow, what if it were Adventists? Adventist businessmen, Adventist entrepreneurs who own their own business. She went on to share with me the blessing of this, these people who own the businesses in this town and how they had blessed the town, how they had blessed her personally. Amazing. I was so inspired and so encouraged. So how to raise entrepreneurial evangelists. Now, I'll be the first to say that I don't believe that I did it all right. You know, you come at things, you know, I had certain ideas 
one of the first ideas that I had was I wanted all of my children to have a business that would be totally for investment. So I have five children. <laughs> we started off, well, I mean, I don't even remember. Jonathan might remember if he had a business that was for investment. But Kirsten had a business where she made bookmarks, and we wrote on the back that all of the proceeds were going to, to missions. And she sold dozens and dozens of those bookmarks. So you want to start young, and I started by the idea of investments um, and starting a little business, and that money would be channeled into the investment fund. Um, then we got into doing businesses for achieving goals. Um, Kirsten was our first, and maybe she just had things that she wanted that required more money than we had. So she wanted a little dog. And we didn't have any money. We were hardly feeding our children. And to add dogs, we were just not going to do. So we said, OK, well, we can help you. We can. She was nine. She started a granola business. Um, and she sold granola. And it took her, uh, actually, she might have started when she was seven. And then when she was nine, she was able to purchase her little dog. Um, and it was a huge blessing, huge blessing to our family, a huge blessing to her personally for the things that she, we wanted to do music lessons. Now, I'm not sure that my children wanted to do music lessons, but I wanted them to do music lessons. So I had them all lined up in little businesses that they would do to earn money, and a portion of that money went to help pay their, their music lessons. They were happy to do it. You know, when children are little, they, it's not like, they're not born with a greedy spirit. They're born with a spirit of giving, and so that's the time when you want to get them giving. Um, tailor the business to fit their age. Um, encourage businesses for blessing. So teach them to use their business to bless. And to give product away, and to donate some for worthy causes. We're here to bless. Our businesses are not just to bless us. So if you have the business, well, for us, okay, we have the business of farming. We give a lot of produce away every season, sometimes at market, sometimes to our neighbors. Um, but we want our businesses to be a blessing. I overheard a conversation. Somebody was saying that they, oh, I know, it was Michelle Lesher. She was saying she grew flowers this year. And last year at one of the flower seminars, there was the encouragement, always give a bouquet. I always give a bouquet at each week. And so Michelle took that to heart, and she was just sharing what a blessing that was. Every week at market, they had one bouquet that was designated to give, what, what a blessing it can be. So, you know, you have to take what your business is, and I, I'm going to hurry on because we have some young entrepreneurs that we're going to interview, and one of the questions we're going to ask them is, how have you used your business to bless? Okay, encourage generous giving. I have a strong feeling that our money belongs to the Lord. 
It's not enough just to give tithes. It's not enough to give offerings. It's not even enough to give a second tithe. We need to teach our children that everything, it all belongs to the Lord. It all belongs to him. So after the tithe and the offering, and we, we, have, we have tried to encourage, we have not forced, but we have strongly encouraged the giving of a second tithe um, and helped to channel that. I would say did better with it in later ones maybe than earlier ones because our experience and our knowledge grows. Um, so we, we just really believe that if you don't have the focus of generosity and you just have the focus of entrepreneurship, your business is never going to be successful in God's eyes because he wants to bless us so that we can be a channel of blessing. What's the point if we're not going to be a channel of blessing? Um, so in summary, entrepreneurs have more independence. Do you think that it's going to be important as we come to the end of time to have more independence? I believe that as never before, we need to be independent. We need to be able to, um, to run our own lives, not have someone else telling us what to do and how to do it. Um, entrepreneurs can literally have God as their partner. Entrepreneurs can use their business as a channel of blessing, and they can use their business to evangelize. So that was kind of a whirlwind of the foundation of how or why. And we want to interview some children, hoping to not only inspire other children, but to inspire parents with some of the things that, um, that children can do. So we're going to do a little bit of interviewing, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up at the end. Um, Therese is going to do the interviewing, and do you have an order that you'll bring them in? Let's start with um, the language girl. We should have had everybody's name written down. <laughs> Maybe what we can do is is those who you know you're going to share. If you could come up and there's, there's three chairs up here. And just come forward so that we don't have a lot of time. In Where'd she go? Is she coming? I appreciate, you know what, I had to kind of twist some of the ar arms of these young entrepreneurs because they're a little shy. But I bet if you, if you go by their booths, they won't be quite so shy. <laughs> and the other thing I just want to say is that, you know, it, there's such a challenge. We don't want to put them on a pedestal. We don't want them to share the great things that they're doing to puff themselves up but how do, you, how do you get inspired if someone is not willing to share what they're doing? So I would just say this. 
we want to keep it always in the right perspective. We, wanna, we don't want to put people on a pedestal, and we don't want to say, oh, wow, you're doing such a great thing. But what we want to say at the end is we want to encourage you to keep using your business to bless others. So, go ahead, Daly, you can come. Okay, this is Daly Langridge, and um, I've heard a little bit about her business. It sounds really interesting. Um, so can you tell us what your business is? What um, do you make? I make lip balm and sugar scrub and shea butter body butter and some skirts. And I crochet little animal hats, and that's pretty much it. That sounds really nice. Okay, when did you start doing this? Like, how old were you when you started doing it? Do you remember? No. Like, was it several years ago, or is this something recent? Two years ago, maybe. Two years ago? That's nice. Um, why did you decide to do that kind of thing? Was it, what interested you in it? It was just neat, and I like doing do-it-yourself type of things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how much time do you spend with this business? Like, a know. lot of time, or maybe one day a week, or is it kind of change? It's just depending on what I'm going to be doing. Mm -hmm. If somebody wants some, then I just make them some, mm -hmm. and then... But like this, I spent a lot of time getting ready for this, maybe a week. Yeah, we did too. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm sorry. It's hard to keep both microphones. Maybe I can help you. Okay. We're trying to do two recordings, so <laughs> it's important to have them both. Okay. Um, now, do you have something you can tell us about how you, like, gave it to somebody and it was a blessing, something like that. My friend back there, she likes them a lot and I give her quite a few of them. And one day we made some and there was, we had made her one because I ran out and the lady came up so we gave her that one and then we made more. That's special. So, is it more blessed to give than receive? Yes. Okay, this is Kenton Adams. Okay. Um, okay, so tell us about your business. Um, what I do is a lot of custom blacksmithing and knife making and metalworking and some woodworking with that too. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> how, how old were you when you started doing that? I was 11 or 12 when I first started doing it. I can't remember if I was 11 or 12, but somewhere about there. Okay. Um, how old are you now? 17. Okay, so you've been doing it a few years. Um, why did you decide to do blacksmithing and metalwork? What first got my interest in it is when my dad told me he was getting me a pocket knife, and I was just thrilled. I started imagining all the things I could whittle with it and everything. But then I had the thought, why, why couldn't I make this? So that's where it first started. I cut out my first knife blade out of an old bean can 
and tried to put together my first one. Of course, it was nowhere near what I do now, but that was the start, and that's where it started. Mm -hmm. Once I had the forge for heat treating knife blades, then I thought, why can't I do other things with hot metal? And then I branched into the blacksmithing from there. Yeah, blacksmithing. I remember going to a blacksmith when we were really little. Mm -hmm. It was pretty neat. He made a, a horse head for me out of a railroad spike. <laughs> okay, um, how do you sell it? Do you go to so, like markets or? Because I'm still doing school, I'm not doing it full time or anything like that. I just do it in my spare time. So I do very few events. Like mm -hmm. this event is one mm -hmm. that I do. But otherwise, mainly it's just custom orders mm -hmm. between events because I just do it in my spare time. Okay, if, if you haven't seen his things, you should check it out. It looks really nice. Um, now, how, can you tell us something about how you've um, had an opportunity to bless other people with this? Yes, I have found that for people, one of the biggest blessings for them in this is not just sharing what I've done, but sharing the knowledge so they can start doing it themselves. Mm -hmm. I love teaching it, and there are several other young men, not that young ladies can't do it, just I have a lot of <laughs> friends, young men who I teach, who sometimes over the internet, I keep in contact with them uh -huh. and help them work through doing it themselves. And that's what I've gained a big blessing out of too, is teaching it so that they can do it themselves. Oh, thank you so much. That was very interesting. Um, Next we have, oh, I'm afraid I don't remember his name. He'll have to introduce himself. <laughs> My name is Malachi Clifton. Okay. Um, what is your business? You can well, step, step out of the light. All right. Uh, I do uh, custom cabinets and furniture. I also make uh, longboards. I'm working on starting a business and doing that. Okay. Um, when, how long ago did you start? Like, how old were you? Um, I started apprenticing under a cabinet maker about, let's see, I think I was 15, I think is when I started, mm -hmm. and I've been doing it a little bit, and now I've gone to working for him full-time and learning from him. How many years ago was that? About, um, let's see, I've been working full-time for him for a year now. Okay. Um, what interested you in that? Um, I've always loved building things. I've always loved, you know, putting things together. And so this was a way that I could build stuff and build something useful. And mm -hmm. it's fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, do you have a place you sell it where you meet a lot of people? Um, I go to farmer's markets uh, up in my area, which is in Minnesota. Um, and, you know, stuff like this. Like I have a booth. I came last year as well with uh, another uh, young cabinet maker. Um, and so that's mostly where I sell, and then word of mouth. Very good. I think that's really nice because a lot of cabinets are just manufactured, and it's really it makes a big difference to have them actually made by a cabinet maker. Um, now, can you tell us just an example of how it's been a blessing to other people? Um, well. When, when I do business, I do try to hold up standards because I know there's lots of uh, uh, greedy businessmen out there. And so I try to hold up to s uh, standards of always being honest, always being fair, you know, being on time um, and just being Christian about how I do business, you know, and just being a person. Okay. Thank you so much.
Um, which one should we next? Okay, now we have Caleb Dysinger. Now, what is your business? Um, I do some woodworking, scroll sawing mainly. So making little words and different phrases and stuff. Yeah, it looks really nice. Um, what? How did you get interested in that? Um, well, my pop-up gave me a scroll saw when I was 10, I believe. And I'd done some woodworking before that, and I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And so he gave me that and a whole bunch of magazines as well. So I was looking through those and just started making some stuff. So that's a clue. Sometimes if you see somebody with interest, give them a little start. <laughs> um, now, how old? No, I, you told us how old you are. Um, how do you sell it? Um, I take it to farmer's markets and places like this. So I have some at my parents' booth. And, like, how much time do you put into it? Is it something you do a lot? Uh, yeah, I do it quite a bit. I enjoy it, so I do it a lot in my free time. Mm -hmm. Okay, now tell us something about how it's blessed other people with your business. Um, I've just, I've given some stuff away for, like, gifts and, um, just different phrases like Bible verses and stuff and they seem to appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm sure that made an impression on them. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you so much, Caleb. Yeah. And you should check out his, his um, things that he's made at the booth. Now we have Lindsay Hyde. Okay, what, does, what do you make, Lindsay? I make soap and natural products. Okay, well, I looked at your booth. It's really, it looks, some of the things look pretty elaborate. <laughs> okay, um, so how did you get started? Like, what interested you in making that? Um, I've always liked, like, natural things, and my dad's a doctor, and so he, like, he does, like, natural remedies and stuff. So mm -hmm. it's always um, interested me. And then I've, like, seen different booths, and I was like, well, I could try this out. So I did it this year, and I've... I've always like made different things like this. That's nice. Okay, um, how old were you when you started doing it? Um, maybe 13 when I started doing more like the soaps, mm -hmm. but then I've done like the other stuff for a couple years. Oh, okay. Um, how old are you now? 14. Oh, so you haven't been doing it that long. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like you've been doing it a while. <laughs> you have so many nice things. Okay, um, do you spend a lot of time on this? Yeah, a couple of days a week. Oh, yeah. okay. So it's kind of like a good business to do a long time with, along with school, yeah. right? Okay. Now, um, do you like to give away some things sometimes, or like, how do you bless other people with it? Yeah, I like to give away things because, um, like, if they seem like they're having a hard day or something, I'll like give it a, give it away because like. It just might cheer them up or something. Yeah. yeah, I noticed that at the farmer's market, when when I see somebody that's kind of sad and I give them a bouquet of flowers, it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so thank you so much, Lindsay. Yeah.
Okay. Um, now we have somebody all the way from the southern hemisphere, Brazil. <laughs> this is Elias Souza. And um, what is your business, Elias, that you do sometimes? Oh, I, ha I have been involved in nursery, and I have been doing for a few years, and that's it. Okay, what, what kind of nursery plants is it? I have been doing, I'm from Brazil, it's tropical country, and my plant is tropical, <laughs> and are tropical. And I like to do Brazil nuts, and acai, I don't know if you heard about that, and cacao, and mangosteen, and hamptan, and too many secretaries here. <laughs> and, and, yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, how old were you when you started to, to grow some of those trees? I don't remember, but I was probably nine, ten years old. Okay, when we were there, we saw some of his plants, and I think he's getting excited about doing it more than he was doing. Um, how, okay, how old are you? I'm 14 now. Okay. Um, then how do, you sell, how do you sell these things? How, I, how am I selling? Okay. Yeah, like to whom? Oh, our housing, our, our farm, we have, we have a workshops and courses and almost every month. And many people go there, hundreds of people in a year. And I have a big opportunity to sell there and can sell. Okay. Um, do you have anything, like how do you, do you ever do something in a way that blesses other people? Like how do you use your business to help people? Well, our region, our region, sorry about my English, and is is a rural 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 zone, and the people like to learn new things. And how I have the opportunity to learn many things, and the where I go, I can learn things about grafting stuff and and how to make more productive. And they like to learn, and sometimes they come and I help them make better plants and sometimes they take the best plants I have <laughs> but it's fine and I like to do so they can can grow the 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 business on their farms too because it's a place with many small farms and it's like we need to make lift up the the standard on our region and I like to do that. Okay, so it's like sounds like it's an opportunity to help other people to get started with with a business. Thank you so much, Elias. Welcome. Okay, let's see who's next. I was just going to ask, do we have any other of? I didn't get around to all the booths. 
and Tara's didn't either, but I know there are some other booths here that had young entrepreneurs, and are there any of them here? Who are you pointing at? <laughs> my son Jonathan? Or my <laughs> Okay, Jonathan. You've been pointed out by someone other than your mother. <laughs> I can do that. Would you? You can. Are you willing? Come on, son. <laughs> oh, thank you. Do you want to share, or would you like me to interview you? <laughs> Ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is unprepared. <laughs> We're both on the spot. So um, tell, when, when did you start your first business? Oh, that's a hard question. You'd probably be better. So my parents bought me uh, these, like, rabbits for my birthday one year. I don't know how old I was. But uh, the idea was I was supposed to breed them and make money with it, but it didn't work very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I have to say about the Dice Singers is that we, we were not entrepreneurial. We did, we're not business people. Um, we're, we're ministry people. John and I are much better at giving things than charging things, for, charging for things. But, okay, so that was our first effort. We bought him these rabbits, and can you imagine that we could never get rabbits to breed? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell them about your next business. <laughs> that was a little uh, more successful. What? I can hold it. Okay, so that yeah, it's, that thing's complicated. It is complicated. Um, well, I'm, I don't honestly remember. I uh, probably started making cookies, was it? Yeah. My, we had this idea that I was supposed to be taking piano lessons, and I, I needed to earn some of the money myself. So <laughs> That I was start, my idea. It was yeah, a great one. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you do that with your kids someday? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I started making cookies um, and selling them, and that actually made money. We had a lot of customers coming out to the farm to buy produce and strawberries, and, and uh, they fell in love with the cookies. In fact, we had one customer who said, I love those cookies so much, and would Jonathan consider selling the recipe? <laughs> <laughs> And he was very generous. See, that's an opportunity then to say, will you be generous or will you be stingy with what God has done? And, you know, we talked about it and, you know, I let him set the price. I think he sold it for $20. <laughs> so, but, you know, it just puts in them, this is not just about you. And we try to model that, you know, our strawberry jam. We would give away the recipes. So that's an opportunity to be teaching to bless and to be generous. So what about your next business? Mm, I don't know. I did a I lot of different things through the years, but I started doing small engine repair. I was really interested in mechanics. And so, um, yeah, about when I was 15, I guess, I did some training and put out a little sign by the road and started fixing people's lawnmowers and weed eaters. And um, so it, it went well. For, I did it for about four years, I think. And uh, it was a blessing because I got to know a lot of the community and uh, interact with a lot of people. So that was, that was my first real business, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And so what do you, I mean, that interaction with the community, how do you think that that has 
is continuing to blossom because we, we would go around to our neighbors, but we really didn't know them like by name. But your business, I feel like kind of started that, right? Yeah, it was, it was really neat. I enjoyed it because I got to know a lot of the community by name. And then, you know, even now I'm in town and I'll run into somebody and they just, you know, hey, so-and-so, and they, we'd chat for a minute. And so it was, it was a good opportunity. And they, you know, they knew I was closed on Sabbath. And, you know, it, it just got us a little more well-known in the community, I think, which, which was a blessing. Yeah. It's a mighty power, small engine repair. Doesn't that sound like a good mighty power? It only comes from the Lord. Even the wisdom to do those repairs. And now that actually is blessing um, our third boy, Zach, is actually resurrecting mighty power, small engine repair this spring. So that's exciting. You know, so that business that Jonathan did is now blessing someone else in the family. Um, and again, it's an opportunity to be in, in contact with a lot of people that you might not otherwise. So, um, and then from what caused you to not do Mighty Power Small Engine Repair? Well, I started um, when I was 18, a business called Farmer's Friend, making uh, initially the greens harvester for harvesting baby lettuce. And then that kind of grew. And as it grew, I saw more potential there and enjoyed it more. So I eventually discontinued doing small engine repair just because I didn't have enough time to do it all. And so. so how many years have you been doing Farmer's Friend? About five and a half. Five and a half. And has the Lord poured out a blessing? Definitely. Yeah, the business has grown. The Lord has blessed tremendously. And it's been a blessing to you know hundreds of people in this small farming community. It's been neat to... to see the influence that you can have um, we've had you know we send out glow tracks in all of our packages and we get a lot of questions about it we've had people call and and want to talk more about things or say hey i looked up glow's website but i have some more questions and so we talk to them and we've had people ask why the website's closed on sabbath and you know it just gives a, a real great opportunity for for a broader influence yeah god is good what he can do is above and beyond what we can imagine. The, the point is being in the center of his will. We didn't foresee that Jonathan would be doing tools, um, tool design. We always knew he was always the one on the farm, though, that was trying to help us to do things faster and quicker. So thank you, son. You're welcome. Um, what time is it? Oh, we have still plenty of time. Okay, we have another young entrepreneur. And tell me your name. Maria. Maria. And maybe you should stand over here so people can see you more. Can you come up close here? I hope this is going to work with us trying to hold two mics. <laughs> Maria, tell me what you do. I bake a lot of breads and different foods and, yeah, I work in the garden a lot, and... But you, you bake bread and food that you sell, is that yeah. correct? Yes. And how old are you? Nine. You're nine. And how long have you been doing this? About since I was five. Now that's a young start. <laughs> Very good. So... It, you do, how, how, how much time do you spend at that? About an hour to two hours every day. Wow. 
So that's a real part of your education. Yes. Is that the best part of your education? Yes. <laughs> Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> but you know how much she is learning from that? Let me ask you something. So where do, where do you sell your bread? Farmer's markets and just individuals that are at the church and neighbors. Okay. So when you're at farmer's market, um, who, who takes the money in? My sister. And how old is your sister? Twelve. She's twelve. So she's sort of like the, the cashier at the market. Yes. Okay. Do you see yourself doing that by the time you're twelve? Yes. <laughs> twelve. Taking money in, giving change. Do you just work on a cash basis or do you take credit cards? Um, not yet but we want to get to that point. Okay, so you talk to me afterwards and I'll help you get set up with that. <laughs> um, so how have you used your business? You know, God gives us a business so that we can be a blessing. It's not just so that we can earn money and put it in savings and we can get rich, right? Um, but how have you used your business to be a blessing? Um, I just try to help people who need things and whatever if they want help with anything then I'll try to help as best I can okay so let me ask you at farmers markets do you always sell everything that you bring y yes you do <laughs> wow we need to learn from her we haven't mastered that yet <laughs> we don't sell everything we bring to farmers market Okay, so you sell everything you bring. Yes. That's really exciting. So could I encourage you with something then? Sure. So why don't you, you mainly make bread? Yes. So why don't you make one loaf that is meant to give to somebody? And each time you come to market, you have that loaf of bread, and you're looking, you're looking around to see, is there somebody who's, maybe doesn't look happy, or maybe there's somebody who is older, or maybe there's somebody who, you know what, that's something you can pray about, and then you can say, God, help me to give this loaf of bread to someone that is going to be really blessed by it. What do you think of that idea? I think it's a good idea. Good. Well, you come to the next Ag Conference, and you tell me all the people, you would have so many people that you would bless by that. Thank you so much. Okay. Anybody else impromptu? Come, you have to come. Oh, well, if it's a question. Okay, a question and a comment. Well, so why don't you come? Would you Would you come? Yeah. So I. It's. It's not. You can bring her with you if she'll come. Is it? No, she's but seven. it's okay. She's seven. And, and it's, I, I can understand because all of my children were shy. My 14-year-old did not want to come up here today. But, you know, you just, he's a good boy. <laughs> all right. So I have Deidre Dealey. And Deidre is the mother of how many? We have four. 
And what are mm -hmm. their ages? They are 10, 7. My daughter turns 4 today. Oh, yay. And 2. Very good. Mm -hmm. So which one is it who has the little business? Um, so Josiah, who's a 10-year-old, and then Hadassah, the 7-year-old. Okay. And they work together. And so what they do is they have their own garden plot on the farm. And so when we harvest to go to market, they keep track of everything that they've harvested. And they kind of, you know, so they know what they're bringing and the value of that. So they have to add all of that up. So they know if it sells, how much they, and they make sure that they keep track of how much they're getting. They also this year started making just little magnets. Mm -hmm. And so they will sell magnets at farmer's market. And then what's, oh, what's on those magnets? Um, so we're in the Black Hills, mm -hmm. and so there's, um, it's kind of like a map, and so it'll have different locations in the Black Hills, you know, say like Mount Rushmore, or, and just, you know, something little, or a town, or things like that, for Very good. mostly local people. So, question on the produce, so they have their own little mm -hmm. plots where they're growing things. Are they growing different crops than you? Um, they have been growing, so what they've been doing is they've been taking all of our kind of leftovers from when we transplant into the garden and then taking them and planting them in their garden. Okay. And so this year what we're doing is we're encouraging them to take over like one aspect of the farm. So we'll, we're telling them, you know, if you guys want to grow cherry tomatoes and specialize in cherry tomatoes, then we won't grow those and you can have that full market. Do you see the perks? <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big perk. I, our farm, I don't know about your farm, but we make a lot of money on cherry tomatoes. <laughs> we sell them $4 a pint, and they fly off of the table. We sell, but a lot of farmers don't want to fool with them because they're very labor-intensive to pick. So... So one lesson, one big lesson that they learned this year was we had a hailstorm, a major hailstorm that came through in August, and they lost everything in their garden. And my 10-year-old was very distraught about it, and he was saying, this is not fair. He was mad because they had put in all that work. And I said, well, honey, this is farming. And so they learn a lot of life lessons that way, too. Yeah, and I just want to encourage, thank you so yeah. much, Deidre. Oh. Okay, well, we'll get that. I, I just want to encourage you. You know, so much of um, our children's faith depends on us. You know, we wept with them over that hail. Deidre sent me pictures, and I just thought, Lord, you know, I've been there. It's bad to be there, but it's almost worse to see other people go through it. I know how their family has been laboring to get things going there. And my heart just felt the pain, that empathizing pain. I've been there, you know. But when they, when you can handle it with Christ's grace, when you can see the bigger picture and by faith you believe, God is offering us something better in this trial. Our children's faith will grow. It just be, it makes them strong in the Lord. So, thank you so much. Any, Deidre has a question, I know. So we'll start with Deidre, and if there's any others. So it's probably a pretty simple question, but I want to know from you, when you were encouraging your children to start these entrepreneurial projects, where did the capital come from for, say, because you know, you guys were struggling to feed your family, yeah. and then here's some part of the granola business, or Jonathan starts selling cookies, so did you provide that initial capital for them and then they paid you back or how did you work that out? You know, Repeat the question. Oh, thank you for reminding me. As much as I've told people to do that, I'm about ready to forget. So the question is when, when um, 
Our children started businesses. We were in very tight straits ourselves. How did they get the capital to start? You know, I think part of it is that we start small. And I, I can't, um, you know, I don't really remember all the details of how we started, but like with the granola business, Kirsten definitely had her ingredients. They were not in my, because she had ingredients that she put in her granola that never went in my granola, like pecans or walnuts or, you know. So, yeah, I, I, think, that, I think that we probably helped them get started. And, but, but here's the other thing. We started very small. We start, and, I, and I will say that when they started their first business, we did give them some seed capital. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough for each of them that they, that they got started. And it was different, like Kirsten was gonna do, she did a dental training. And we thought, okay, she's not really gonna start a, a business, but we did a mission, an overseas mission thing. And so we helped her with that. She also did soaps, and we helped her with her first oils and that kind of thing. With the boys, with Jonathan, we just gave him a nest egg of money that gave him enough to start, um, you know, with his tools for his small engine shop. We didn't help him at all with Farmer's Friend, except we've housed him. We have not, I mean, and I know everybody has a different thing. Our, you know, I know people who, when they're, our, our boys are all in their 20s except Caleb and they all live at home. They don't pay rent, they don't pay for food, they, we feel like this is how we can help them get started. And so as long as they're willing to live at home and happy to live under our roof and under our desires, they're welcome and they don't pay us. They help us in the home like, you know. But um, I feel like that's one of the biggest ways that we've helped them. You know, Jonathan for years didn't pay himself a penny. You know, if we're starting a business, you don't pay yourself. And so if you don't have someone to help you, you know, so when they were little, yes, we helped them with the capital to start. When they were older, we just helped them um, live. Any other questions? I'll just repeat. Okay. I mean, unless you want to come up here, I'd be happy for you to make the comment right in the mic. If anybody else has questions, you can be thinking about that. I think we still have a few more minutes. So I guess this is a little bit of an entrepreneurial. Um, for those of you who may have, like she was talking about, your kids having to pay for their own music lessons. Um, one thing for me was I'd always, always, always wanted to take violin lessons, thanks to the Neblets and the Loden Camps and different people we knew. But my parents were never able to afford that for me. So I think when I was 10, um, I was able to work at my grandparents' farm a little bit during strawberry season, make money there, and then I paid for all of my violin lessons. Well, those aren't cheap, as you know, um, but the benefits of me sticking with that are really paying back now because I'm able to teach lessons, charge $18 for a half hour, and I have 12 students, and I'm in college. So that's something I can do for a few hours every night, but still bring in quite a bit of income. So if you have kids who are in lessons, maybe they're still not paying for their own. If they are, that's great. That's a much better motivation for you to actually work at your lesson if you're having to pay for it every week. Um, 
but that really can pay off when you get to be 17, 18, 19 and are able to turn around and, you know, if you think about how many lessons I can teach in one week versus how many times I paid for that lesson, you know, that's, that's quite a bit. So. That's right. Thank you so much for that testimony. I only had one. I, I required them all to take music, but I only had one that really loved it, and that was Kirsten, and she decided that she wanted to play the harp of all instruments. If we had been smarter parents, we would have said, choose another instrument, because they are so expensive. But you know, she worked and she earned and she, and the Lord provided. And that harp took us to many places, many doors that opened up for us through that, that never would have otherwise. And so, God is just faithful, and I just want to encourage you, keep the right mindset. There's a reason that we need, to, we need to be promoting entrepreneurship. It's because God needs channels of blessing, and we can be greater blessings when we own our own business. We can do with the business funds what we like. We can hire the people that we want, we can surround our business with the influence. You know, Jonathan has all Seventh-day Adventist employees up until last week, maybe the week before. They hired their first non-Adventist. He's a neighbor of ours, lives right across the road. His comment was, I think this is going to be good for me. He said, do you mean all these people are Seventh-day Adventist? Jonathan said, yep. He said, Wow. There's about 12. He has about 12. Not all full-time, some part-time, but there's about 12 people that are interfacing in and out of the business all week, and they are all Adventists from our area. And that is a huge blessing. It's a huge blessing in many ways. But, you know, just God wants to bless us. And that blessing does not always equate to monetary blessing, but the blessings that aren't monetary can be as impactful as the blessings that are in our pocketbooks. Let's just end with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we are humbled at your amazing power, your desire to use us. We are such simple tools in your handbag. And Lord, each one of us want to be used by you. Lord, entrepreneurship is something that has been raised and elevated as a means to glorify self and as a means to be enriched in this world. But Lord, may we be starting a new trend. May we be starting a new re reformation of, of entrepreneurship for the kingdom, entrepreneurship for the purpose of evangelizing, entrepreneurship for the purpose of blessing. Help us to this end, in Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.